Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on WSB every Saturday from three to six. And I, uh, so we've been talking about the circus that is the primary season, how completely unserious it, it appears to be, which is masking what is deadly serious, quite literally. Uh, so we're talking about that. I'm going to, I want to keep talking about that. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. But I want to square away a few other things. Uh, I did say before the break, I wanted to address some listener uh, messages. One was, what is it about libertarians that make them susceptible to conspiracy theories? I've got Kirk on the line. I'm going to get to him shortly. He's got an answer to that, and so do I. Uh, also, at the break, or the, during the news, we heard that Disney is threatening to boycott if Governor Deal signs this religious freedom bill, whatever it's called, uh, that's the nickname. And I just a point on that kind of corporate uh, activism. I hate it. I hate corporate activism because if I love the idea that you can own shares and be part of the great profitability of the free market of capitalism by just having a tiny amount. I love that. But big corporations have this advantage in that they can have giant accounting company, uh, giant accounting departments, giant legal departments, regulatory compliance departments, uh, all these things that give them an advantage over the little guy purely as a result of being of the tremendous burden placed upon business by the government, it always benefits or just about always benefits the big guys. So here you have these incumbents that have a ton, a ton of power. You can't, you can't really compete with them with just little bits of money, but you can buy their shares. And then they take that power, one guy on charge of it with your money and decides to influence or try to influence politics. And I do not like that. I, I don't, love extra laws. I don't like micromanaging. I think they invite blowback, like the Defense of Marriage Act resulted in a Supreme Court decision that took all power away from the state. So I don't like that kind of thing. I think it's a setup. I think it's a trap. But uh, I just thought it'd be interesting to note this corporate activism, which I truly cannot stand. And then the before that, before the break, I was talking about uh, Heidi Cruz, the document on building a North American community, and one of the bullets on there was that the it's from the Council of Foreign Relations. They wanted to train, have training exercises between the Canadian, the U.S., and Mexican law enforcement and military so they have interoperability. So I got a tweet from Dave saying that will lead to another civil war especially when Americans see foreign troops coming across the borders. I'm not sure it would be a civil war. It could be a war, <laughs> you know, unless, unless it's one big country. That's what they wanted, the tri-national community to have all the same laws and stuff like that. So that's just a little squaring away from the last hour. I've got a few calls. I want to switch to the libertarian subject, but first I want to talk to Bob in Gainesville. Hi, Bob. You're on with Monica. Oh, hi, Monica. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you? 
Good. What's going on? Uh, I do want to correct one thing you said earlier, that you said that uh, Ted Cruz was uh, for the TPP, and he has never been for the TPP. He was oh. initially for the TPA, the Trade Promotion Authority, uh, Okay, but not the Trans-Pacific Party. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Yes, I was like, oh. I am positive. But yes, Trade Promotion Authority, but that was a total abdication of his responsibility as a senator to allow the president for the next six years, so this president and the next president, to not have to get a supermajority of approval from Senate, and it and it also diminishes the advice. So the advice and consent, I really disapprove of the TPA, and it's tantamount to getting the TPP. But I appreciate the yeah. correction. Thank well, you. Well, but he and again, I'm. Are you positive? <laughs> but he did say. Uh, I'm going to check this on the break. He he alienated himself entirely from the establishment when he stood up and pointed to McConnell and said, "You're a liar." You know, I mean, because that was the reason he voted for the TPA the first time. He had an assurance, and there were about five witnesses in the room, that it was not going to be what the TPA ended up being. And that's why he voted against When the TPA finally came up for the final vote, the TPA, he voted against it. And he is going to vote against the TPP. He said okay. that in Iowa. But All right. Anyway, I will, I will, uh, I'll double check that, but you sound like you know what you're talking about. Okay, good. Yep. Keep going. Uh, anyway, I think Trump is sort of the modern day incarnation of the emperor's new clothes. I don't see how you can lead a first-world nation if you lack all self-awareness. This man has no idea how other people view him. You know, we're not laughing with him. We're all laughing at not, him. Not all. I mean, look at the feedback that he gets. Real, I mean, he's getting, unless you think the vote is totally rigged like I do, he's getting, but a lot of people like him, and he is hearing that, and he is a guy who plays to the lovers, you know what I mean? Like, uh, rather than to the haters, like, there are people who are worried about downside management, and then there are people who know that if you polarize, you do get people who love you. Well, yeah, but, I mean, still, I mean, people who are, let's say, more intelligent or better educated or not supporters, they view him, both sides of the party issue, as a narcissistic buffoon, because he sort of is. Yeah, but you can't argue with success. All that matters is getting elected, right? Well, yeah, and, and the thing is, the right now... The, the same tricks you've probably heard of uh, with the Curly Hoglund and now a lady who's come out who is on the RNC Rules Committee yeah. saying, you know, we're going to have to change the rules again. We're not changing the rules in the middle of the game. Every four years, we change the rules for the convention. Yeah, why did they not, convention. Bob, wait a second. Why, I would like to know, they changed the rules and look at this insanity that's coming. Why is nobody looking at the RNC saying, really, this is another reason I think this was a setup. Yeah. I look at this and I think, really, this is a result of these rules changes, and nobody's pointing a finger at them for that. And I just don't like coincidences. It's quite a coincidence that this is an unprecedented primary process season that might lead to a contested convention for the first time since the 70s, and uh, and these guys happen to just change the rules. But, but they do it every time. And, and Hogland and I've read, I think, four different articles by four different authors who are all on the committee who said, We've certainly got to change the rules this time because we still got the Ron Paul rules in from four years ago. <laughs> and the Ron Paul rule was you had to have the majority of delegates from eight different states because he was so effective. He was possibly yeah. the most effective of his machine. Yes, yes, yes. Delegates. Yes. They, they didn't, he didn't really necessarily win. He gamed but, it. You know, yeah. Every state has their own rules for assigning delegates. And Ron Paul's group knew those rules inside and out, but he had a real grassroots people who were passionate for him. Right, they so they changed the rules in reaction to that, and then they have another. But I have noticed a lot of, um, 
you know, hints that people don't have faith in the electoral in this process anymore. And as soon as I see a crisis that points to a solution that needs to come from the institution, from the governments or from the party, I wonder about that crisis. I wonder if, you know, as Rahm Emanuel said, never let a good crisis go to waste. So there is no doubt in my mind that whatever change comes up from this is going to be uh, is going to play into their hands. But I want to change to the libertarian subject. I am, uh, thank you for the call, Bob. I'm going to go to Kirk and Homer. Yeah. Hi, Kirk, you're on with Monica. Hey, how you doing? I've Good. been an uh, independent voter since 1990, <laughs> pretty much my whole life. Great. I've been voting. Um, the reason why independent voters are considered conspiracy theorists is because we're free thinkers. We we look at both sides. Um and I'll just ask you the question, what have we done in 1971? Do you remember Richard Nixon passing a little deal about our currency situation? Yep. Um, and he closed crazy. the gold window. We closed the gold standard. And that's, that's when Ron Paul said he decided to leave medicine and run for Congress. Yes. Um, and if you'll listen to Ron Paul, he's been the same ever since he's been in office, warning about this, what's coming up. Uh, that Charles Lindbergh Sr. Problem. was warning about the Fed in 1913 yes. in the congressional yes. record. Look up oh, Louis yeah. McLennan. Oh, yeah. Well, our founding fathers set the gold standards up to keep the greed of American citizens to a check, the government to check, you know. Yeah, and Andrew a, Jackson shut down the central bank, and they and they exactly. have demonized him ever since. We have a credit card limit, don't we? When we have to credit, you know, keep yeah. us in our, in our means. Well, the government doesn't have one since we've been off the gold standard. That that presents a lot of issues of what's going on. Um, you know, I'm a Ted Cruz fan, and, of course, I was a Ben Carson fan before I dropped out. Donald Trump is just telling it like it is. He knows the insides and outs. And to get back to your previous caller, um, if you want to control the country, you basically control the money. But anyway, get back to the why these libertarians and, and you know, um, Voters that just vote either side are considered conspiracy theorists because they pay attention. They get the information on both sides. Yeah, I, uh, I would. I'll tell you. Thank you, Kirk. I will tell you what I. That was a tweet I got from Glass Eater. <laughs> a guy named Glass Eaters. You know, you want to be careful. <laughs> so uh, he tweeted to me, "What is it about libertarians that make them susceptible to conspiracy theories?" And my answer to him, so he has to be in 140 characters. So it really stresses you to be as concise as you can. And I love that about Twitter. If you follow me on Twitter, I follow back at Monica Perez Show. I uh, just really love that element of it. So what I said to him is, libertarians don't subscribe to the lesser of two evils theory of politics. So they evaluate all the MSM mainstream media on its face, find no truth. And keep looking. So once you do that, once you keep looking, then you will find stuff that makes more sense, that has uh, facts in evidence. So you have to actually support the your claims with evidence. If you're anything outside of the mainstream media, which gets away with anonymous sources, unverified evidence, changing facts, they get away with all that stuff. And be, unless you're beholden to the right or the left and are so afraid that the lesser of two evil, you're so afraid that the worst of two evils is going to take control. You always forgive everything on your side because you think of it as this two way thing. But once you free yourself from that, and I did, I talked about a thought experiment earlier in the show. I kind of want to get back to that because it's, it's suggested that the GOP really doesn't have 
a uh, majority or, a, or half the power. And that maybe it doesn't even matter if you vote for them or not. I mean, it's kind of a crazy theory, but uh, but hey, you have to consider the possibility that we're being led to believe that the GOP is effective when the evidence clearly <laughs> would suggest that it isn't. Does that mean it's okay to vote for a third party? And uh, and that brings me to, I think, the Libertarian Party is in the crosshairs of the establishment. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I'll explain what I mean after the break. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. On News 95.5 at AM 750, WSB. High today of 73. Tomorrow's high is 72 forecast with increased chance of rain. The weekend weather is brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. I'm going to Ryan in Roswell. Hi, Ryan. You're on with Monica. Hi, Monica. Um, Thanks for having me on. Um, You were talking about why libertarians are susceptible to conspiracy theories, and I think it's got to do with um, libertarians philosophically kind of accept that good people are people who want to live and control their own life, and bad people are people who want to live and control other people's lives or have their lives controlled. And so it's very easy to reason from that that bad people will come together in secret and plan together. Um, and it's not, not a giant leap to see that there are actual conspiracies out there. That's an awesome a perspective. My answer was... You don't believe the left or the right in government or media. You're not afraid. You don't think in that kind of, uh, you know, binary way. So you don't have to choose the other just because uh, the one is so bad. But you bring up a very interesting point. It's about the nature of those who seek power, obviously, are, you know, are a different breed from the rest of us. And there, this is the thing. There, the almost all of federal criminal law, I would say the vast majority of convictions and um, indictments, everything are based on RICO, which is a racketeering. It's about conspiracy. They made a crime out of simply conspiring without even doing a crime. A conspiracy is a crime. Why is there so much conspiracy everywhere in the mob, in all criminal enterprises, but not where power seekers go for the greatest power of all, the the unaccountable power, the power where you never get. They use, they actually use the force of government to impose their will on other people and are above the law. Absolutely. Right. And, I mean, I guess our, our, I think the biggest struggle that we have is definitions and language because, um, I don't know, for instance, like, for me, liberty and freedom, they're very closely related, but they're not the same thing. Liberty is the ability to live, think, and act, whereas freedom is a societal relationship with respect for liberty. Whoa, I think you're getting too uh, intellectual for a... I'm coming up on a break. But you know what, Ryan? Hang on. If you can hang on through the break, I'll let you uh, explore that thought because I think we could use a little intellectualism after this week. (laughs) Really, honestly. I feel like what uh, all the, the... tabloid stuff and the wrestling style stuff that's been coming out this week so if you'll hang on ryan uh we can talk a little bit more about libertarians and conspiracies and uh and i've gotten some good answers and i'm going to read some tweets to you 404-872-0750 1-800-WSB talk at monica perez show and now for something completely different monica perez on news 95.5 at am 750 wsb 
I have a weekend prize pack for you. The McDonald's weekend prize pack this week is a pair of tickets to see Menopause the Musical on April 1st at the Cobb Energy Center and a pair of tickets to the Bud Light Concert Series featuring Brian Adams on April 16th at Verizon Wireless Amphitheater. First to call 404-741-0750 gets that. And I, before the break, we were getting into this conversation. I love it when we talk about libertarian stuff. It really makes my uh, you know brain feel better. <laughs> I always said that about Ron Paul. Like listening to Ron Paul was like putting on a blanket, a warm blanket on a cold day, just a, a resort to rational thinking. Like that makes me. That's like my comfort food is is rational thought. And Ryan was giving us a good, hopeful, uplifting mind vitamin about liberty and freedom. And I had to cut him off. So, Ryan, are you still there? I am. Thank you. Okay. So, give us your. So, you were giving me a concept that we just didn't have time for. So, give it to me again. Okay. So, um, basically, liberty is an ability. It's the ability to live, think, and act. And freedom is a societal relationship with respect for liberty. And so, everybody already has liberty because everybody's already alive. Um, but freedom. Not many people have, actually, you know, like, as far as there is no society that truly respects liberty, you know. Um, I, you're going to have to give me a little bit more. Why do we not have our freedom? Are you talking about generally? Just give me one, one more little nugget to help me understand. Okay, so um, freedom, well, liberty is the ability to live, think, and act, and the right it is a respect for your right, which rights are self-assertive, inherent moral principles. Um, and those three things help define rights so that they're not an ever-expanding list. The fact that they're inherent means you're alive. That's why you have your right to your life. Yeah, I mean, I personally honestly think that, and I, I mean, this might be an original thought, which is saying a lot given how much has been written out there, but I really feel like the only operative right in society is the right to self-defense it's self-evident and all legitimate law derives from our delegating the right of self-defense to the government and there really there is no right to life liberty and the pursuit of happiness there's there oh you have all right those are do not define you have the right for absolutely everything and you don't really have the right to life because you will die eventually but you do have the right to self-defense it's, and it's about defining rights. Sorry, sorry to interrupt, but how I define rights and the reason why the definition of rights is very important is because it is the moral function of government to protect rights in a free society. And so, like I said, all of this is definitions, and it's very important to get them right. Yes. So, um, the moral function of government in a free society is to protect rights. Your rights are inherent self-assertive moral principles. They're inherent because you have them already. They're self-assertive because only you can do them for yourself. And then they're moral principles because I cannot claim a right that I don't simultaneously respect everybody else's same right to. Nice. Those three things limit um, like what is a right and what government's moral function is. Okay, Ryan. Uh, if somebody wants to think more about this and explore that particular nuance, can you recommend maybe your favorite book or resource? Um, honestly, I've just uh, watched a lot of Ron Paul, Tom Woods. I've listened to you a lot. Um, so, And you've just obviously think. Yes. 
you think. See, that's the thing that I think people don't, that I actually believe sociology and psychology have been hijacked. If you read sociology from like 100 years ago, it's awesome. They really talk about, like uh, William Graham Sumner, who was an anarchist in the end, or said he would be when push came to shove, was a Yale sociologist. And the those it was really valuable back then, important and interesting, and the importance of culture and all that stuff. But it's been hijacked, in my opinion, to convince people that there are sociological forces and psychological forces that are acting, you know, in society overall or against the individual that you can't understand. That your conscious mind, your ability to reason, cannot make sense of what's really going on. And and I and I think that's a fraud. I think that's a fake. I think that if you walk around and just with your eyes open and disregard what you're taught about what's really going on and just observe how people act, it's actually a libertarian concept of Mises called praxeology. You don't have to centrally control. You just, it's about how people behave. It's not about how they should behave. It's how they do behave, what incentives are. It doesn't even matter if they're rational. It's just what do they do? And if you observe that, you start getting a lot closer to the truth. You'll probably stop believing too much about the mainstream media. Anyway, thank you so much uh, for the call, Ryan. I'm going to go to Johnny in Atlanta. Hi, Johnny. You're on with Monica. Hey, Monica. I love your show. Thank you. What you got? I got uh, two points um, for the why uh, libertarians are susceptible to conspiracy theories and what you guys were just talking about, about language. They both, I think, work hand in hand. From the perspective of somebody who is, you know, maybe a hardcore Republican or a hardcore Democrat, they're seeing all this stuff on television, and all they see about libertarians is this stereotypical image of them, this drug addict, hooker-loving, strict isolationist hippie idea of what a libertarian is. So that becomes their perception of libertarianism. But if they happen to break free from that and start to actually investigate it and research it outside of what they get on the mainstream, they start to see that that's not at all the truth. And they see that it's a lot more about reason and thinking and asking questions. Actually, yeah, Johnny, I have to say, I myself had that experience. I was uh, just looked at these like Soviet style Obama posters when I lived in California in 2008. And I was like, what has this world come into? I've given up on government. And I knew there were, I just really gave up on this idea of limited government, self-limiting government. And when I dug in a little bit, I figured when I saw these threads of libertarian thinking, anarcho-capitalism, which I now actually call myself, although I'm not big into labels, but that definitely defines my philosophy, I had thought I was going to stumble into a nest of irrational, emotive, emotional kooks. And what I found instead was an extremely coherent internally consistent rational body of thought based on observable fact and reason and right and wrong i i myself having just come to it out of desperation found in it a total hope redemption joy just that warm blanket on a cold day anyway god you had a second point uh, no, I, I agree. And when people find that and they look over and they start to see on television how these candidates that, that talk like this and use this reason are, are blackballed so much and that the only ones that are allowed on television are the ones that um, evoke extreme emotional appeals and keep people in a non-thinking state, you start to ask questions like, well, what else are they trying to keep us from thinking about? So it opens your, your mind to 
this whole like it's like it completely shatters the box because Actually, you realize the box is a fraud. I'm a little worried about what's happening now in that if if I'm right and this uh, Trump thing is a uh, a way to deflect the GOP. I don't care if we win or not, as long as we get a warmonger in theory that one of the secondary outcomes here I've noticed in the paper were, first of all, I figured they hijacked the zeitgeist of Ron Paul, not the philosophy, not the principles, but this feeling that yeah. of grassroots. But then I see I'm reading in the press, oh, they want to, you know, maybe the Libertarian Party is the only party that has ballot access in all 50 states. We should put our candidate on there and hijack the Libertarian Party. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. oh, so they're going to multitask here and destroy the Libertarian Party while they're at it just because it's so fun to get things done. Uh, yeah, and that's what they do. And they, and they, they hijack things. They do the same thing with language. You they did that with the Tea about, Party. They hijacked yeah, it. Exactly. Uh, the, the thing about language you guys were talking about, I, I think it's really interesting because it's one of the most powerful things that a politician has is the the language or the uh, the meaning of the definition of liberty and freedom is in the mind of the beholder. It's not objective, and it never will be because they won't allow it to be. It's subjective, and that meaning is painted by whatever party or whatever candidate you're emotionally aligned with. So everybody's for liberty. Everybody's oh, nice. For freedom. Yeah. No, people aren't walking around going, I'm anti-freedom, I'm anti-liberty. They believe that yeah. they're supporting that and that the other people are not because those definitions are created by the people that they support. All right, now you're going way down the rabbit hole, Johnny, but I do appreciate what you're saying, and I agree with it, because I wonder, because people call themselves left-leaning libertarians, and my response is, you can't force people to get, you can't offer socialized medicine, which is a tenet of the left, and still think that people have the right, the personal liberty, to shoot heroin into their veins they do have that right i mean a libertarian has to acknowledge that but if the society has to pick up the pieces society gets to make that choice so they people do believe but i would disagree i think that it is i i you know objective believing in objective truth is definitely debatable but i do believe in it and i think i could define liberty uh the distinguish with, distinction with freedom is interesting. I'll have to ponder that a little bit more. I'm going to Mitch and Canton. Mitch, you're on with Monica. Yeah, hi, Monica. I hey, listen to a lot of talk talk shows and different things, and I was always curious. I'm trying to figure out, does the person who's talking understand what progressives are? Now, progressive is somebody who wants to slowly move us towards socialism. You can walk, you can be a snail crawl, or you can jog like Obama, but Libertarians don't want to move in that direction. One day last week, I was listening to you, and you said you liked Newt Gingrich. No, I did not. Really? I would never I say that. that. Really? Okay, Absolutely. Wow, okay, I thought you said something about him. You were I said like that, that he made a really weird tweet right after the Paris attacks that said the attacks in Paris and California should show us that we're at real war, and uh -huh. California hadn't happened yet. Wow, okay. No, sorry. No, I think oh. I might have said, actually, now that I think yeah. about it, that the contract with America had some responsibility or was given credit for our approach to budget surplus, but I actually attributed it to the fact that it was jammed between the Cold War and the War on Terror, which are okay. the things that 
you know, responsible for tipping us over the edge. So we get, so we have maybe a trillion dollars of de- deficit a year yeah. and a trillion dollar defense budget. You know, you do the math. Yeah, I used to like Newt until I discovered what a progressive was. No, I think the thing with Newt is when when there's a a tweet like that, even, you know, Pat Buchanan, I disagree with a lot of the stuff that he says, but, and sometimes I wonder if he's like, you know, just playing a role, but I like to give him the benefit of the doubt. With Newt, something like that tweet makes you think, I mean, this guy has to be, whatever he says serves an agenda, it must, because he's so deeply in on it. Now, I hate to, I don't like to take shots at people especially local politicians. I just, you know, I think it's kind of in bad taste. I like to talk about the ideals, but, um, but I had to correct the record on that. And, uh, and I got to take a break. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. And you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Wrapping it up, but I have time for one more call. I'm going to give Dave and Norcross the last word. Yeah, hi, Monica. I'm calling in to address the, uh, the one caller that called in. I believe his name was Bob. And he made this declarative statement that uh, um, we're all laughing at Trump. Uh, first of all, I think it's pretty presumptuous to purport to speak for everyone. And it's, uh, if everyone's laughing at Trump, then why is he doing so well in all of these primaries? I think I made that point, Dave, don't you think? Not, not strong enough for you? Well, I mean, uh, perhaps you did, but I mean, for, for, someone, for someone to presume that, um, the, you know, everyone's laughing at the guy, and he's the winner who's getting more votes in any of these Republican primaries and caucuses than anyone else. And he, he went on to say that, um, I think he indicated, implied, or just said outright that it seems to be the um, lesser educated and the lesser intelligent people among us who are supporting Trump, which is an insult to people, uh, I got my degree from the largest private college in the state of New York. Um, uh, not to toot my own horn, but I have to to make a point. I mean, my intelligence quotient is, is way up there. I'm a Trump supporter, and I think it's pretty presumptuous to call in and say that stuff. That's the kind of sort of fake, phony, elitist, look-down-your-nose establishment type of conduct that Trump supporters are tired of in the first place. I know, and it, you know what bums me out about the whole Trump phenomenon is that it is so much of it is about pushing back about reacting and i and some i had somebody text me or whatever put a comment on my blog post saying monica i cannot believe that you're not for trump he's the only one who's against the establishment is against 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 and i had to make the point draw the distinction that i for one i am not a contrarian voter i didn't vote for ron paul because he was an outsider i voted for him because he respected he shared my principles, which are extremely well-defined, we just spent the last half hour talking about libertarianism, and you can tell just from that sampling how very seriously libertarians take the principle and how to interpret it, where our rights derive, all that kind of stuff. I take that very seriously, and it results in a really consistent, predictable, uh, internally you know, coherent body of uh rights, policy, and especially limitations on government that I don't think you're going to get from anybody, Trump, Cruz, anybody, Sanders, anybody inside or outside the establishment. I don't think you're getting it at this point. And so I understand people are reacting. It's a shame that Ron Paul is no longer around and that I think Rand Paul compromised because it would be great to combine 
the reaction to the establishment with the profound principles the establishment has rejected. Conversation keeps going. Check out my website, MonicaPerezShow.com, and I'll be back next Saturday right here on WSB from 3 to 6. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.